Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Semi-Pro. I'm Dalton Barrett, better known as Barrett Digital. And I'm Clements. Josh Clements, a.k.a. Bernadette. That was good. I liked it. I liked that. Thank you. I liked I, it a lot, Josh. I'm scared, I'm scared when people who aren't British attempt to do the James Bond thing, and I'm scared when pe people who are British attempt to do the James <laughs> Bond thing, really. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. <laughs> um, so, if that doesn't give away what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a pretty good Sean Connery before we, you know, get into our conversation a little bit. I can, you know, sometimes a woman just needs a good slap. You know, I got, I can roll that pretty good well, the, the, for the an way, American guy. The way that I always do Sean Connery stuff is you just got, you just got to kind of like make yourself seem like you, you're you not being understood by people, but they can get a general gist <laughs> of what you're saying. So you talk like this and you can... You got to get really drunk and then give yourself an underbite and then and, you can do a Sean Connery voice. And then go and slap a woman. <laughs> And then, right, go and beat your wife. And then every time they say, <laughs> make sure you say, open hand, not closed fist. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about Sean Connery is just how his voice changed over the course of, <laughs> over the course of time. Because if you watch like, uh, um, we're talking about James Bond, by the way, and when we get into our actual discussion, uh, when <laughs> this is just the pre-discussion discussion, guys. Uh, when you watch like his early Bond movies, like he just sounds like a normal, a normal guy. And then like you watch like Diamonds Are Forever and Indiana Jones and uh, uh, Never Say Never Again, and it's just like, Bond. It's like what happened over the course of the last twenty years that made you? He got more and more drunk until he made the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and he was done. And then he retired. Yeah. I will yep. say that uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a kind of guilty pleasure of mine. I really like the film for some reason. It, I, I wouldn't say that I like it. I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy the performances. So that's, that's, that's my stance on it. The I think it's just kind of good. a dumb, fun film. Right. And it, it works. Ahead of its time. Uh, yeah, it really was. It was pre-MCU, MCU. <laughs> it was pre-BVS, BVS. <laughs> <laughs> right, it was pre uh, Joss Whedon's Justice League. Justice League. Um, uh, speaking of ahead of its time, wait, first of all, who is our glorious sponsor today? That's a good question. And our sponsor today is whatever martini brand you drink. Shaken. I was going to say a dry vodka martini, so... <laughs> Good to good for you. We we figured it out. Shaken, not dead. Um, so we're 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 talking about James Bond, and we're talking about movies that were ahead of their time. So is there is there are we just talking about James Bond again? Didn't we already do that? Well, we we talked about the future, but now now we're jumping back to the past, back to the past of 1969. Ah, what a vintage year. It really was the the, I mean, so much stuff happened in '69. I'm sure that you can name a few things. Uh, Back in the summer of '69. That's right, Brian I Adams. I got my first real six string. Played it till my fingers bled. '69, in the summer of '69. Right. right, exactly. Because you know it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't make sense to release any time after that. It has '69 in the title. 
the 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 Cold War was going on. All right, but before we start talking, <laughs> we got to do our we got to do our introduction. So, how are you doing in this uh, these trying in, times? In, in these trying, yeah, exactly. I uh, I've been alright. Um, Disney Plus hit the UK pretty recently, which is it, that was fun. Uh, I've been using it well. I've so far I've started binging the Clone Wars, Spider Man. A bit of the Mandalorian because they're releasing the Mandalorian weekly, like it was when it was originally released. Um, so we only have episodes that, one and two so far. That uh, sucks. Yeah, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see the ending in like full glory. But no, never mind. Uh, other than that, I, I've been watching the sort of fever dream animated movies of my childhood. Uh, they have Atlantis and Atlantis Two, which is ah, magnifique. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I've been watching the Pirate of the Caribbean movies, which are nowhere near as bad as people remember them to be. They're, they're I've fun. I think the majority of them are remembered well, except for two, three, four, uh, and five. Right. <laughs> people enjoyed them. Yeah, and people, um, people really hate two, three. And then four and five, no one cares about. But they're right. they're fun, I guess. The I, I think they're nice. all kind of in the same cal. Yeah, th- that's what sells movies like that is the performances. Yeah. Um, how, how how's how's your quarantine and isolation going? It's going well. I still have to work, uh, but I'm doing a lot of my work from home, and so I am at home a lot more. And when I work from home, I don't work as hard as I work at work. So I've been binging old Bond movies. Starting with Dr. No, and I just finished uh, View to Kill last night. So I am done with Roger Moore, and we're moving on to Timothy Dalton into what I'm going to refer to as the Silver Age of Bond. I think post-Moonraker, pre-reboot, so pre-Daniel Craig is all what I'm going to refer to as the Silver Age, and then... From Dr. No to Moonraker is the Golden Age. That's what I've worked up in my head. But anyway, so I've been watching all of those, and uh, that's actually what led to this discussion today. And I guess my now might as well be a good time to go ahead and jump into it. This never happened to the other fellow. Secret Service, George Lazenby's only Bond film. Yes, and I want to talk a little bit about why it was his only Bond film, because my thought was always people hated him so they didn't ask him to come back, but turns out that's not the case. Um, You got your uh, British card revoked for watching that movie. (laughs) That's right, I I have to leave the country within the next two days. (laughs) You can come stay with me, it's fine, we'll watch it together. Uh, So... The thing about this movie is I have always heard from... Because they're, you know, um, I'm sure Bond is more popular over the pond. But Bond is really popular here. People love him. Uh, And I've always heard my whole life, On Her Majesty's Secret Service is the worst Bond movie. George Lazenby is the worst Bond. Don't even bother with it. So I've never watched it. And I'm doing this rewatch because we're you know, in quarantine, and I needed something to do, so I'm watching all of the old Bond movies, 
and I put on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and to my shock, by the time it was over, I found myself not only loving this movie to death, but also really enjoying George Lazenby's performance. And just all in all, I, it took me, you know, I'm still trying to process through why people don't like this movie. It's because it, it, it's it's good, I think. Well, I, I haven't really asked you if you think it's good or not yet, I guess. But what, what do you think? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it's one that I, <laughs> after watching it, I spent a good bit of time trying to figure out if I would describe the movie as good. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, I think I'd say it's probably, it's it's good enough, I think I'd say. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's certainly so an unexpected me, so- surprise. I think part of it is I've heard my whole life how terrible and how awful it is. And then I get off the backs of watching um, Thunderball and You Only Live Twice, which are uh, less than stellar outings for Sean Connery as James Bond. Um, and so – and I've seen the same formula because, the, I mean, the formula has been going since Dr. No, you know. And then it continued through Roger Moore and just kept getting uh, – uh, a little bit more stretched out with each one, the formula did. <laughs> and so at this point, I've seen the formula five five times, and it's like, all right, I'm ready for something different. And then this movie delivered on that. And uh, that, that was apparently the selling tagline for the trailer was just different. So they would say different locations, uh, different gadgets, different bond. Like that was like the the tagline of the movie was different bond, and it really I think lived up to that. And I think it was very different. Y- yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely fresh. Um, I definitely, I, I, if there's anything I would call this movie, it'd be fresh. Uh, a lot of it doesn't feel like a 1969 movie. It feels, I, I parts of it I would even say feel modern. Um. I think it was very ahead of its time, probably, in a lot of aspects. I, I would... Yeah. No, I agree. I think it was definitely ahead of its time. It plays like a late 80s, early 90s film, I would say. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. you can obviously tell, because they... Since this movie isn't as popular as the rest of the Bond movies, it hasn't been restored the same way as... Because um, every, every Bond movie, uh, through Timothy Dalton, I'm sure has been um, restored from the original negatives into uh, into HD. And this one has not. This one is an upscaling from the the film print. So that in that aspect, it kind of takes you out of feeling like a modern movie. But had this been, you know, completely upscaled, the audio played with a little bit, and, and a lot of the technical stuff fixed, it would really, really, really feel like like a like a, uh, a movie from the mid 90s. You know, uh, like a Pierce Brosnan Bond film or, or something along those lines. And so, through that's another thing that I just absolutely did not expect. Oh, no, not at all. Um, yeah, I was surprised at how much I kind of liked Lazenby as Bond because I, I don't know why I was kind of expecting him to be a bit lackluster. But, well, uh, that's what I've always heard. He was you know, right. I've always heard he's that fine. he's. Th- there was the one line at the beginning, and that's the one that everybody always quotes. Where he, uh, you know, he says, "Well, that never happened to the other fella," and then the the credits start rolling, which I will admit is maybe the worst line in the movie. And but at the same it's just, time, it's, it's made so much better by the fact that he just stares directly at the camera while doing it. Right. 
Well, and it, it's also apparently the reason that that line is there is because there's a deleted scene on some cutting room floor somewhere <laughs> that explains why Bond has a different face in this movie than he did in the other movies. And there, the, apparently it, it was explained in a scene that got cut that nobody is allowed to talk about and say what it was. Not even uh, Lazenby, because he's been asked about it. He's, he's, not a, he's still under contract that he cannot talk about the deleted scenes from that movie. So I don't know what they held in that movie that got deleted. But anyway, um, apparently there was a deleted scene that explained why he looked different. So that would make that line make sense, right? But, but then so? after that, he, you know, you have to – one thing you have to understand with, with Lazenby – is he was not a film actor before this movie. He was a commercial actor. So uh, kind of the way this worked is Sean Connery said, I'm done. I'm running the ball. I'm going to go get drunk and slap women. That's what he said. I put lotion in the mouth. (laughs) Right. That's what he said. And then uh, so the the studio said, okay. Because they had already said that the next movie was going to be on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So they wrote a script with Roger Moore in mind. Uh, And Roger Moore was busy doing another movie. So he couldn't do it. So they said, okay, we got Roger Moore, this huge film. Sean Connery, huge film star. Roger Moore, huge film star. Uh, Let's get George Lazenby, this guy who's only ever acted in commercials. And then they rewrote the movie specifically with him in mind. And then they shot and filmed it and we got what we have today. Um, he was signed on to a seven-film contract before this movie even started filming, which I think is nuts. You don't just hire a commercial actor and and sign him to a seven-film contract. I don't know why anybody in their right mind would do that. So they did that, and then after this movie finished filming, he decided, you know what, I'm going to make royalties off this for the rest of my life because it's a Bond movie. I'm just going to – I'm not going to do any more. And so that's what he did. And And – he, he opted out of his end of the contract. He didn't re-up. And now here he is. Uh, one Bond movie. The only actor to ever be in one. Only one Bond movie. And we have On Her Majesty's Secret Service. So that's a little bit that went into the making. Josh, I know when I watched it, I was just watching it. Because I didn't know we'd be having this discussion. But you you have some stuff specific that you want to talk about. Yeah. Well, I watched this, uh, I watched this last night. Uh, it hasn't even been 12 hours since I watched it. And I, I made sure to take my notes while watching this film because there's a lot in it that I would say is worth taking notes for. So so how about we just hop into how the film starts? You, you already mentioned there's the line, you know, this never happened to the other fella. But the film starts with Bond stalking a woman on a beach and then rushing in there to save her from the ocean when she starts drowning. And, <laughs> and then... He fights these two men, and it's never explained why he's fighting them or who this woman is at this point. And he fights them in one. It was actually a good action scene. You know, it's it's hard hitting. You, you kind of feel every like punch. That everything feels heavier, and uh, he's just he, he looks like a brawler. Like he, I don't know what it was about that to be, but he just looks very bored. Well, and we haven't seen his face yet either. So that 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 I also thought was interesting, and, and that also plays into the you know, um, 
they they explain why his face is different. I'm assuming it's some kind of surgery, but that also plays into that. It's like, well, we don't want to show you what he looks like just yet. Like, just hold, just hold on with us. And so he's fighting these guys, and we still haven't seen his face. And he saves this drowning woman. And I think later we do realize who the um. I I I think we realize who those. Uh, thugs are. I'm pretty sure they're Spectre thugs. We find out yeah, later find in the out, movie. You find out that in the movie. It's just kind of, it's very weird because it's opening the scene. There's no context for any of it. Well, and, and usually... That, that kind of goes with that, most that, of the, the movie, really. There's well, no that, that's a common thing in, in, in the Bond films. It always opens with an action scene that just kind of shows Bond doing something and then he gets his mission for that movie. Sometimes they tie into each other, but a lot of times they just don't. But this one both somehow ties into the movie and doesn't tie into the movie at the same it's, time. There's no reason for it. That's my thing. It's just like it happens because well, it's not like it's it, not it like inter- established that Bond is looking out for this woman because he thinks that she's part of a larger plan or anything. He just kind of stumbles upon her, and that leads him right. to finding his arch nemesis. There's no there's no pretense for any of it. I love it to death. Right. Well, and his arch nemesis, that's something we, we need to discuss because we don't know where this movie officially falls on the Bond <laughs> timeline. This movie's and, a mystery. Not like not like a murder mystery or a spy thriller mystery. It's a mystery of when it takes place and how it got made. <laughs> right. And, and, and so so part of the thing here is the book, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the book is the first time that Blofeld and Bond ever meet. However, they have already met in the movie that came out right before this one. And yet, somehow, they stumble upon each other. So, so in, in, in the context of, of the book, and if this is the first time they've ever met then it makes sense for him to stumble across this girl who then leads him to finding his arch nemesis. That makes sense because he's not his arch nemesis yet. However, in the context of the film universe we've been presented with so far, he just keeps running into Blofeld no matter what he does. <laughs> you can't escape him. But I then mean, it, he acts like he, it's always his plan to run into Blofeld. And he just kind of, he's like, it's like an Austin Powers movie and he just stumbles upon him constantly. <laughs> Right. Oh, man. And, and, and so the girl who's on the beach turns out to be Tracy. Yep, Tracy. Who, uh, <laughs> so Bond sleeps with her, naturally, because he's James Bond. Well, okay, wait. Before and that's we get to that does. part, Bond goes back okay. to his hotel, which is also a casino, where right. he meets uh, well, Tracy again, just randomly. And clearly, she doesn't understand how gambling works, because she decides to place a bet, but she doesn't have any money on her. <laughs> doesn't have any money at all. And she's just like, oh, I don't have any money for me. And Bond has she, to go, I'll bail her out. She actually, she places her bet, and very confidently, and real smooth, and, uh, you know, everybody at, at the casino is, is looking like, oh, wow, like, she must be rich or whatever. And then she loses, looks, pulls the guy close to her, and whispers in his ear, I don't have the money to pay for that. Just like, she just jumps in with her bid. She, like, flaunts her cleavage a little bit <laughs> and then just goes, I don't have the money. <laughs> and uh, all, all, all while this is happening, Bond is possibly in the worst shirt I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's this horrible, double-breasted thing. But he's so smooth, just so suave. 
and he doesn't care about anything. <laughs> and that continues throughout the rest of the movie. He he could not give like a single crap well, about anything that's happening. And that that's one reason I think I like his performance. Uh, because I do enjoy his performance much more than I thought I would. Um, yeah, yeah. It's this, it's this, he has this cadence that, so Sean Connery kind of had that don't care attitude, but when Sean Connery did it, it was either because he actually didn't care or because he was written to not care. Now, George Lazenby was written to care about things. It seems, at least. And he just... Well, he's meant to... He's, spoilers spoilers for this 50-year-old film. But he's meant to have a relationship with this Tracy person. He's meant to be actually in love with her. But you don't get that at all. And he just kind of... And it, it, she seems like any other Bond girl, basically. Right. Well, uh, and and part of that is limited to direction, from what I can understand. Uh, for instance, at the end of the movie, yeah, that makes sense. Um, he he talked. Lazenby talked about this, uh, I guess, a few years ago, when No Time to Die was rumored to be a remake of this movie, um, which would have been, I think, phenomenal. I think a remake of this movie with Daniel Craig would have been killer. Well, it's, it's a. I'd say that a good chunk of Spectre's inspired by this right. movie. You know, the whole, well, a, a lot... Especially with, like, Blofeld and the, the ski resort thing. Right, and I, I think a big part of the... Um, a big part of his arc has kind of resembled uh, the end of this movie, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, the whole, like, falling in love and quitting the game. Right. Um, so, but anyway, it was supposed to be a direct remake of, of, of this book, and Lazenby said, well, I hope that at the end of it, they let him cry. Because he, he, George Lazenby begged to do a take of the final scene of this movie, which, spoilers again for this 30-year-old movie, 40-year-old movie. 50. 50-year-old 50. movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Third time his, uh, George, bon uh, George Bond, James Bond gets, <laughs> he, he marries Tracy, and it's this whole, it's supposed to be this huge moment because, you know, he's finally settled down and he's in love with her and he marries her and then she dies and she dies in his arms and um, that's the end. She's killed by Spectre. Um, and the, the thing that was supposed to be, you know, he begged and begged and begged to do a take of that final line of the movie where somebody, a, a cop pulls up to the window and he says, it's okay. Uh, she's just resting, we've got all the time in the world or something. He begged to do a take of that where he cried because he really, he thought that would sell the scene. And I agree, that would have sold that yeah, scene. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been much, otherwise he just kind of looks like he's in denial. Right. Well, and, and the director said, no, James Bond doesn't cry. And so they didn't even let him do a take of it crying. So I think a lot of that is limited by his direction because they wanted that that same cadence to James Bond that that um, people loved about Sean Connery. Uh, and he wanted to put a little... It, it was a more emotional story than they had told so far. And so I, I would blame some of that on the direction. But at the same time, yeah. I think it's great watching this man just not care about what he's doing. Especially, uh, can we talk about the love montage yet or do we have to wait before we get there? I, I have no, no joke. I've got notes for this. The... I've, in about three notes, I've written love montage. <laughs> okay, but so the, the, keep going, keep going. We'll get to the say, love montage the, in a second. The one thing I was going to say is one of the reasons I like Skyfall so much is because Daniel Craig cries when Judy Dench dies, 
which is like, yeah, that's an impact of a scene. Who wouldn't have guessed? But yeah, I, I agree with what you said about it. Just it's wonderful seeing this man not care about anything. So yeah, after this, um, Tracy invites Bond to his or her room. I can't remember which. Well, I didn't I understand which. <laughs> But he goes I think there. he goes to her room. I'm pretty sure he breaks into her room. He breaks um, into her room, and there's a giant guy in there, which is one of the people that he fought earlier in the movie, and he has a fight with him, which again, it, it feels a bit like a Taken fight, but it was a, it was, it was fun. It was fun enough. And he eats some caviar. 468. He's like, ooh, beluga. You know, for 469. Like, it's it's definitely not a good yeah, fight. 469. But 469... You know, uh, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> right. There's actually, it's not just kind of like, it's not just what most action films were. When you go to swing for a guy, he blocks it and he punches you back. There's actually some kind of choreography. Right. Um, and it was better than, you know, Diamonds Are Forever came out after this, which had Sean Connery back. And the fights in that, because Sean Connery is this, you know, 50 year old man who doesn't really want. <laughs> you know, and he, he he's doing a lot of his own fights, and it's just slow and clunky, and he punches a guy in the gut, and then the guy punches him in the gut, and then that's it. This felt a little more choreographed than that, uh, which is another thing that's kind of ahead of its time. You know, I think they were just kind of throwing people into the ring uh, at, at this time and letting them duke it out. Uh, and, and so I respected a lot for that. They did speed up the footage, which is a little jarring. Um, yeah, you, you get used to it. Right. Uh, by by the end of the movie, you forget that they're doing that. But yeah, so he, he, he beats this man, and then that gets him in the mood. So he goes to find Tracy again, and he finds her this time. And then she's, like, hysterical about something, so he slaps her. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then he sleeps with her and sits in a dressing gown that's far too short for him, and it looks very <laughs> awkward while he's on the phone. Because it's hers. I forgot about that. It's he sleeps wonderful. with her outside. They sleep outside on the porch. Yep, they sleep there. the there's, an, there's an open door to the bedroom right there. So they sleep outside on the balcony. When he wakes up, she's gone. And her nightgown, which is a, her her nightrobe, is laying it's there. Like left there. So he puts it on, and it goes down. I I, I would say like high thigh on on. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I say you're moving into pelvis territory, honestly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's so he, short. So he he does that, and he gets on the phone, and he's like, I should probably go downstairs. So he heads downstairs, and there's a couple of guys there waiting to kidnap him. To which he offers them foursome. <laughs> For some reason, um, Bond Bond's very quippy in this film. He has like he has a line for everything. I think that's a lot early, of early Bond too, because they had started to move into quippy territory. Goldfinger got kind of quippy. Doctor No was played super serious. Uh, From Russia with Love was played super serious. Goldfinger was that's when we started to get into quippy territory, and then by the time. Um, you only live twice came around like bond was just quipping at everything i i i remember very very vividly uh there's a scene in you only live twice where sean connery closes a door and walks out and he says see you later alligator and like that's like that's the line that they had james bond deliver so uh because i am trying to put this movie in the context too so i'm coming at this from a very standalone point of view Right. Uh, see, I watched it after I watched those others. So watching them all in order, like that that part fits in with what they were already doing. Uh, Bond was super quippy from like Goldfinger to Moonraker. Uh, 
every one of those movies has Bond giving the most like Bond lines, and it's always super. Like some guy like falls down an elevator and he goes, "Hmm, looks like he needed a lift." And it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. And and so he does that in this too. But yeah. So these guys kidnap him. It's like, I didn't know we were having to force him. And then he gets in the car, and he drives to this mafia boss's place, and then mafia boss cannot stop moving. He like he walks to one side of the scene, then walks back to the other, and he goes to sit down, and then stands back up within a second of sitting down, and then he just keeps on. I I couldn't focus. It just kept on moving. But yeah, then the bo- the boss says that Tracy is his daughter, and he knows everything about her, and he goes very butterscotch horseman, and he says that women are cured by dominating them. Which is very, <laughs> I remember that. Very, no, 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 so no, 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 Josh, hold on. I remember the line. I'm gonna say it to you real quick. Um, it, the, Tracy's father says to James Bond, "She needs you. You can help cure her." And he goes, "She needs a psychiatrist, not me." And he turns to James Bond and says, <laughs> "She needs a man to dominate her." That's the line. Just for reference, Tracy is getting over the death of her husband. <laughs> Correct. She's depressed and I mean, widowed. She, ugh. Wow. But yeah, so then that happens, <laughs> and he goes, to... I know everything that happens to my daughter. And Bond goes, Everything? And he goes, Yeah, she did very well there. <laughs> Which is a yeah, very... He just says, Don't worry about that. It's fine. Like, you're a friend. <laughs> it's very suspect. Uh, so the, bo- the boss then offers him, like, a job offer to go find Blofeld because he can't send it to Her Majesty's Secret Service. Bond goes back home and flirts with Money Penny a bit. And he goes to him, and he's like, I want to investigate Blofeld, and then goes, no, no, you're off that case because you've been doing it for two years and you haven't turned up anything and you're useless, Bond. And then Bond goes, then I'm resigning. And he walks out, then he gets called back in while he's packing and Money M's like, granted. He walks out again and Money Penny's like, good luck on your two-week vacation. I know you don't really want to resign. And he's like, oh, Money Penny, you read through my lines. Just say you want a two-week vacation. Like, that's literally all you had to say. You don't even need to say that you're resigning because that, well, that's I a think much it was, bigger Well, I think part of it was the dramatics. Well, part of it was the dramatics, you know. I think, you know, he was... Uh, because he, he's been on the Blofeld case for two years, and he is apparently working the Blofeld case at the beginning of the movie. Uh, so the Blofeld case led him to this woman somehow. That part doesn't make sense because they shouldn't be connected, but yet they are. And he doesn't now, realize who she is or how she's connected to her father who's connected to Blofeld. Right, exactly. So, but, but anyway, so he's been working the Blofeld case for two years and has gotten nowhere. And so he's taken off the case and then he keeps working the case. And then when he says, I need to keep working this case, M says, no, you're off the case. And he says, well, then I quit. And then, <laughs> like immediately, no pushback or anything. He's just like, no, 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 I quit. He he walks. Actually, he doesn't tell M directly that he quits. But he tells Money Penny to tell him. <laughs> he tells Money Penny to write M a letter and give him the letter. And then M tells him, "Granted, that's all he says." And so he leaves M's office. And then Money Penny says, "Here's your two-week vacation notice." And then he says, oh, what would I do without you, Monty Penny? And then he leaves. And then M says, and what would I do without you, Monty Penny? And it's like, what is going on? And he offers, he offers drinks to her at his house at some point. 
but it's like I didn't know if he was joking or if he was being completely serious. And then they just never mention it again. Well, that's um, a that's yeah. another early Bond thing too. Him you know, Bond was flirting. always not just flirting, like borderline, like like Monty Perry, Monty Monty Penny straight up wants to marry James Bond, and James <laughs> Bond really likes flirting with her until she gets old, and then he quits flirting with her, which I think is really funny. <laughs> so yeah, okay, so Bond gets two weeks off, to which we ensue the love montage of. Him and Tracy just doing a bunch of really cute stuff together. And 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 the love montage is like four scenes. And I wasn't sure because, you know, usually with a, lo- with a montage, it's supposed to take place over like the course of a period of time. But I'm pretty sure this they're wearing the same clothes through every shot of the they montage. Off, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like one day. It, it was, so, they so had this... one day off and they went, go spend it together. We're going to catch a couple of shots. Right, and, and that's what that's what gets me about this montage is it's like it's it, everything in this seems to take place over the course of like a day, because he's also remember Bond's only got two weeks vacation, and I know he spends at least a week and a half through the rest of the movie. So this quote unquote love montage has got to be it's got to be like two three days tops. You know what it feels like? I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's an interesting insane. choice. Okay. The way that I would describe this movie, and I've written this down, is it's an editing fever dream. Uh, sh- sure. I I think, I don't know that it's that as much as it's, it, it. I think a lot of the fever dream-ish stuff comes from the script and not editing. Because um, I really, I thought the movie was edited pretty well, no, good. Like, there's moments the, where it's like... Sometimes people start speaking and then the other characters start speaking before they've even finished. Scenes kind of get like really fleshed out for some reason. Like there's there's a scene that's a minute long of Tracy just like untying her shoes to like start running and there's just like there's no point to any of it. That's another thing about this movie is this movie is long. It is, it's it's um, 2 hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, it, um I think it's the longest Bond movie. I could be wrong. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. But it's it's very long. But yeah. Um. But but anyway, so keep going after the love the love montage. montage you get, get Bond wind- safe cracking into this guy's safe because he knows where Blofeld yes. is, and with probably the coolest of the safe cracking gadgets that we see Bond with over the course of a lot of the early Bond I, movies, I, because there are a lot of them. The, the thing that this one was pretty I neat. Didn't, like the actual gadget itself was neat, but what drew my attention was how funny the scene was because Bond just sits back and he starts looking at like a Playboy magazine. And he looks like a newspaper and he just doesn't care. Again, <laughs> he's so nonchalant, so smooth. It's newspaper first, and then it's the Playboy, and he opens it up to the centerfold. And he just like he's got like this smirk on his face, and then the safe finish finishes cracking, and there are people walking to the door at, while this is going on. By the way, and no, so nonchalant, the safe finishes cracking. He takes the gadget off, he throws it over the balcony, and then he grabs the papers he needs, sticks them in his coat pocket, walks out the door, looking at the Playboy centerfold poster, folds that up, puts it in his pocket, and leaves. He took the Playboy <laughs> poster with him. <laughs> it's, just, it's so wonderful. It's so, and he just he again he could not care throughout that entire scene. He just keeps going. No, no matter what. 
the the closest thing to an emotion that he he exhibited was the smirk when he was looking at the naked woman. <laughs> like, okay, so, so yeah. he, does, he that, does that, and then is next up. And then he starts talking to this guy who's going to meet Blofeld, who's now calling himself the Blouchard or something like that. And he's like, "Oh, I claim that I'm part of a French aristocracy, and I should be Count Blochard." And they're like, "Ah, oh, I know that's Blofeld because Blochard is Blofeld's name in French." I looked it up. Your name doesn't change when it goes into another language. The French of Blofeld <laughs> is Blofeld. Well, some, some. No, I, I don't know if Blofeld specifically does, but a lot of names do change, like from Spanish to English. Names change, and so I would assume that the same is true with French. But if you looked it up, I could. No, be I, wrong. I I put it through Google, and I was like, I ah. looked it up. There's no French for Blofeld. It's Blofeld. Also, Blofeld right. is an idiot because he thinks that changing his name into a French name that could be easily identified is like good hiding or something. And he's like, like no, just call yourself something that isn't Blofeld. There's no reason for him to want to be a count. Is that? Is that why he was doing it? To hide? I thought it was an arrogance I, thing. I, no, I no, thought he was I, just super the, arrogant. The movie doesn't expand on it. <laughs> well, no. This, so, so that's why my assumption was, because the movie wouldn't have to explain. My, my assumption was Blofeld is just so arrogant that he thinks he should be... Um, account? Is that, is that the proper term? <laughs> like, he thinks he should be royalty um, for some reason. And so... Yeah, no, that it is confusing as to why, but my thought was always just, oh, he's really cocky. Well, my, th- my the, the other thing is like, if Bond's been looking for him for two years, then he must be in some form of hiding because Bond would have found him otherwise. For sure. But no, okay. Nonetheless, ah. Blofeld's an idiot. That's going to continue throughout right. the thing. Right. Uh, Bond again wears more terrible outfits. He, uh, this time he's got like a weird orange vest on with orange trousers, and it just it looks awful. And terrible, and I hate it. <laughs> so, can, <laughs> and then he goes to this clinic, which, as they expand on it, feels more and more like a cult. And it's just like the women aren't allowed to Hold ask on. Bond about anything. They don't have surnames. You, you can't talk about medical histories, and they get fed what they have to be. Josh, you forgot about the horse racing scene. <laughs> I, I did forget about the horse racing scene. So this is our big fake out moment that lasts all of two minutes. <laughs> So, so, so Bond goes, hey, this is directly after the love montage, I think. Um, but anyway, so, so Bond, Tracy, and Tracy's father all go to watch a horse race. And while they're together, it comes out that Bond's father promised Bond uh, like a lot of money and information about Blofeld for dating his daughter. Yes, yes. And so she gets upset and leaves, and it looks like she's just mad because she's not showing much emotion other than anger. And so she leaves, and, and Tracy's dad tries to follow him on and says, no, I got it. And so he goes, and he turns around, and she's just bawling. And he says he, – he doesn't really apologize. He more just says, like, give me a kiss, darling, or what it, something <laughs> – and and then he kisses her and and they make out and then everything's fine. So that's how that scene goes, and then that's like our fake out moment. And then in the car after that, they Tracy drives home with her dad and Bond drives home separate, and 
Tracy's dad is is now against Bond and Tracy being together <laughs> and says something along the lines of um you know like like don't date Bond and she goes but I'm in love oh yeah and she says goes, that well, this is this is while he's safe cracking and it's oh, like, okay it, it like intercuts between this and she's like how who am I to de- to deny a man in love or something like that and it's like, okay, so Bond is in love with you. And then they just leave it at that, and they don't address it. Well, she says, she says, no, but that will come. <laughs> like, she's like, she's like, I'm in love with him. He's not in love with me, but he will be eventually. So let me keep at this. She's, she, okay, and now we can get back to the, the Swiss Alps, because this is the part of the movie where I really started to, to get sucked in. And this is the yeah, part I, yeah. I, I really like. I So this cult-like... Uh, I, I guess it would be considered a not a pharmacy. What would what would this be called? Clinic. I a think clinic. They call it a okay. Clinic. This is the part of the movie that I I really like. I, I think if we trimmed out a lot of the, um, the fat, a, a lot of the fat, and just got this part of the movie and the basic love story, I think it would be a really 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 good uh, Bond movie. Um, yeah, well, okay, so he gets there, and there's all these, like, beautiful women, and he, like, he starts interacting with them, and he says his name's Hillary, Sir Hillary, I think. But yes. But these women Sir, aren't allowed Sir to Hilly. talk about surnames, or Sir, Sir Hilly, that's right. Sir Hilly! They, they, these women aren't allowed to talk about surnames or medical history, but he basically pretends to be gay the entire time. Right. And, like, we get about three scenes of him... Walking in on one of these women who are trying to hit on him. Oh, Mr. Bond, I didn't think you were into women. And he goes, you're the exception. And he uses that on every person. He uses that <laughs> line. Every time. He, he, Bond sleeps his way through this, through this <laughs> clinic. There are like, like the, the only four women that talk in this clinic, Bond sleeps with. <laughs> Which is great. Like that's it really is that that's the kind of stuff that I expect to see from an early classic era Bond film, and uh, this is another one of the quips that I want to. Uh, this is a classic Bond quip. Uh, they're sitting and eating dinner, and one of the women, the first one who Bond sleeps with, you know, uh, really wants to sleep with Bond, and you know she writes like a, a, I think her room number. With lipstick on his on the inside of his leg. He's wearing a skirt. Let's let's remind people <laughs> who haven't seen it. He's wearing he's wearing a skirt. So she writes in lipstick her room number on his leg, and then he like jerks a little bit because somebody's writing with lipstick on his leg. And the 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 lady who's in charge says, "Is everything okay, Sir Hilly?" And he says, "Huh, just a little stiffness." In my shoulder, and it's like, like it's the most beautiful line I think I've ever heard delivered by any actor ever, and 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 so, but yeah, and then he goes and he sleeps with her, and then two other women, and he uses the same line on all three, and there's another time where th- they're all getting like dismissed, and they all say to him, like back to back to back, there's not much time in between, like I've got to see you tonight, and so he tells one of them eight o'clock, and then the other one says. Bond, I've got to see you tonight. And he says, 9 o'clock. And then the third one says it, and he says, 10 o'clock. And then he turns to this guy <laughs> and, and who's talking about, he's talking about, man, work just sure is busy. You have no idea how things keep adding up. And it's like, it's, it's just incredible. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I have, by the way, I do have two quips noted down, and I'll get to them in a bit. Okay. But, um, but yeah, so then basically this kind of continues with it. 
It turns out that the treatment that Blofeld, who's running this facility, is offering these women is like the Willy Wonka terror tunnel, basically, for some reason. And I don't know what it does exactly. I think it like, hypnotizes them. Um, it's, it's, it's hypnosis um, because they, yeah. they're, these women are called the angels of death. And yeah, yeah. Um, and so basically they are hypnotized to doing whatever Blofeld wants, um, which we find which out is, later. has uh, some creepy implications, but I don't think it goes there. Well, they're, they're never used, but he does say that that's what – Blofeld does say that that's what they're for. I, I, I'm pretty sure, or maybe I'm just making this up. <laughs> You'll just find your own on a Majesty's Secret uh, okay. Service fan fiction. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, but anyway, so uh, – so they're being hypnotized, I, I would assume, to do Blofeld's bidding. He does say that they're the ones who are going to be delivering. Yeah, so this... I, assume, I assume he's like hypnotizing them to do that, basically. Right. Uh, I mean, which... it looks and sounds like hypnotism, so I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> I'm just going to go over it, yeah. So, uh, so following this, Bond sleeps with these women, and he goes out the next morning for a curling game, and he's like, he's got Sherlock Holmes' <laughs> coat on, and he plays curling awfully. And he's got a partner who's trying to sneak into the facility, but he's terrible and he keeps on getting caught. And Blofeld's like, oh, I don't want to go to Switzerland with you, Mr. Hilly, because I'm too busy and it's Christmas. And Bonds just keep on trying to get into this place in we Switzerland. We forgot to, like, uh, James Bond's cover in this movie. Is James Bond's cover is Sir Hilly, who is a, um, genealogy. a genealogist. So he's there to test... Uh, Blofeld's genealogy to make sure that he will pass as this Blochard. Um, that's that's the point. And, and that's, so that's, that's why... Right, so Bond tries to get Blofeld to come to... Um, where was the place that you said? Uh, uh, Augsburg, Switzerland. Basically to test records and <laughs> oh. stuff. Um, so that he can, like... But in reality, it's so that he can, like, capture Bond. Bond? Uh, so he can capture Blofeld. But he, right. he, he's under the guise of it being like, oh, it's so that we can look at your like records and stuff. And basically, Blofeld then captures Bond. He's like, I know you're Bond. Augsburg doesn't have the records. This place does or something like that. And um, so Bond gets knocked out in possibly my favourite knockout scene because it's so slow motioned. <laughs> And he, 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 so he thinks he's sneaking well, in to sleep with one of the women again, but it turns out it's the weird old German mistress who's not very attractive. And I can't. Do you remember what he says? <laughs> She's in the bed. Uh, no, I don't. Damn it. He he makes a quip or something about like, ah, oh, Fräulein, or something, and then says something about that. And he gets knocked in the back of the head with slow motion, and it looks like George Lazenby just falls on the camera. And he's doing it super slowly, and his face just looks so stupid. Uh, yeah, and he's got that mole, that George Lazenby mole. Oh yeah, classic. But uh, yeah, so this is like this is when the film picks up, and Bond escapes from his imprisonment using the same method as Sean Connery does in The Rock, and he like times everything perfectly, <laughs> and he breaks out and he gets on some skis. And you get this amazing ski action scene. And it was at this point in the movie that I realised that this movie's theme is just The Incredibles theme, but with a bit of a Bond flair. Okay, I'm going to have to re-listen to Once it. Once you listen to it, you can't unhear that. that. But yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're correct. But yeah, so Bond's, Bond's going through this, like, Alps, 
and he's, he's skiing and he gets one of his skis knocked off and then he has to start doing it on one ski and it's actually kind of sick. Uh, he, he knocks one guy into like uh, a snowblower, which like kills him. And Bond just goes, he had a lot of guts. Beautiful Bond, you've just murdered a man yeah, very painfully, that. but beautiful. <laughs> Uh, so that keeps him going and then he like tries to lose them in this warehouse that's apparently just for pots and pans uh, and <laughs> it just, it, there's just so many pots and pans hanging from the ceiling and he fights these two guys in it <laughs> and then he runs out to the town and he finds Tracy who whose father told her that he might be there and so she's like oh James it's good to see you here. And then they, they escape off together in like a car chase scene. And that a lot of this kind of, it's a long action set piece and it's mostly well done. Um, I can't think of anything horrible about it. Uh, uh, the, the, the stunt double work is, is kind of obvious, but at the same time, it's, it's 1969. So yeah, there's some exceptions and stuff. But uh, yeah, so then her and Bond are in a car and they drive onto like a NASCAR track or something, and she, they just they straight up kill a bunch of innocent bystanders by crashing a car into the wall, and it just drives through a load of people. And so, I yes, I remember this. So so we go immediately from because every Bond movie has you know you got your 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 hand to hand combat, you've got some sort of themed action set piece. In this one, it's the ski scene. Uh, Thunderballs was the underwater action, which they learned didn't work, and then they did it like six more movies. Um, and, and and so they've all got that themed one, and then there's a car chase. They usually don't happen back to back to back. <laughs> like, you usually don't go from your themed set piece immediately into the car chase, but this movie does. And then... And it's a pretty good it's a pretty good cha- car chase. It's, it's, it's uh, all well done. It's just very, like... It, it's like immediately fight scene, ski chase car chase and then there's like a 30 the 30 second five minute breather where tracy and bond sleep in this like abandoned little garage sort of thing and it's a it's a barn it's a barn it's a barn that apparently is rented out for people to sleep in yeah because there are beds and i'm assuming it's heated (laughs) because it's snowing outside she says something along the lines of like oh at least it's drying here it's, it's, it's drying the car, right. too, I assume. The car's not open window. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Right. So they see from this. And then you get a ski stunt show again. Hold on. Third. Hold on. Hold on. You're forgetting the line. Oh, boy. This is, the, this is when Bond tells her that he loves her. Oh, yeah. And he does. He tells her that he loves her and then asks her to marry him in the barn. No ring, nothing. Just says, While they're being me? chased says, by men yes. who are going to kill him. Yes. Right. Uh, while they're being chased. She says yes. And then he says, you know, he, he, she starts to kiss him. And he says, no, uh, we're going to wait until we're married. That's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> That's right. And then she says, okay. And then she gets in a different bed, which is on like this little like loft. 
that's being held up by this post. Bond picks up a shovel, and I, and I, I swear for a split second when he picks up the shovel, I thought he was gonna kill her. <laughs> he picks up this shovel and like and like whacks away the legs of this bed to where she falls off of the bed and rolls on top of her. Now keep in mind this is all happening over the course of like two minutes, and says it's not New Year's yet, and then they sleep together. So he, he says no, I don't want. <laughs> He says, no, I don't want to sleep with you. Carries her, puts her in a bed, puts her in physical harm so that she will roll on top of him, and then sleeps with her anyway. And now all of this is happening while they're being chased by people. And so they sleep through the night and they wake up the next morning. Pick us up, Josh. And then they get into a ski stunt show, which is great. And it's about five minutes after the last ski stunt show that we just saw. And but this is the this one I prefer because this is where the bond theme kicks in. And when the bond yes. theme kicks in, it's so cool. It's so just so good. There's no other word for it. Like watching watching him ski down this place, just again, not caring about anything. But he's he's got the bond theme playing in the background, he's killing guys left and right. It's so cool. And then Tracy gets captured. Um, there is there is one scene here where uh, a guy falls for about a minute straight. And it's, like, it's very clearly a dummy, but they just focus on this guy falling and screaming for a full minute. And it's it's not the worst dummy, because there's some doozies in, um, in some of these early Bond movies. Because there's a dummy shot in like every single one of them. It's certainly not the best because there are some really good ones in um, uh, some of the early Roger Moore stuff. Like they have some dummies that I, I was convinced for a second were real people. Um, it's just very awkward but then because they, this but guy's this falling one, and he's like his arms are up and he's just kind of floating, and they just keep on right. They, they follow <laughs> right. it for so long and it's like every time I was like, is he going to hit the ground in this cut? Nope. Next cut? Nope. Next cut? And then they cut to the shot, which is at the top of a mountain, and they're just kind of zoomed in, and you just kind of see a dot go. <laughs> and it just stops, and they, they added a noise. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're talking Because it's like the farthest away shot, and it's, <laughs> it's like a helicopter shot of this dummy just splat. Also, I, I don't know if it's we beautiful. mentioned it, but Blofeld's plan is basically to make children of men. Yes. He, he's, I, his plan think... is to release a chemical that makes all plant and animal life infertile. And he's like, give me money or I'll do this. And and so so when he does that, he knows that they're going to be able to find an antidote to it. Yeah, he even says he, that. that. He, he says knows. that. But he's like, only if I let them. And it's like, no, because they'll have it. Well, no, no, no. He... he, he his thing is, um, it's time. Time is his thing. He wants to, um, he wants to make sure that that over the course of time, he wants to get paid the money. He doesn't want to kill all human life, which is that was my initial thought. He wants to crash the economy. He doesn't want to kill all plant and animal life permanently. He wants to kill it long enough to crash the world's economy, so that he is the richest man in the world. And his method of doing that is make all plants infertile. They'll eventually find a cure, but by the time that they find a cure, the the world's economies will crash. Which is I, I I know we probably disagree. I love this plan. I think it's I love it because I think it's so stupid. <laughs> See, I think it's I think it's really clever because and it's interesting. It, it it makes sense to me. You know, you you make all the plants in the world infertile and then 
the economy's cra- and animals, and then the economy crashes because there's no food. Um, and obviously there would still be some. It wouldn't affect every plant in the world. A- a- and so the economies of the world crash. You are now the um, the rightful heir to a country that's got something or another, right? Isn't wasn't that didn't that play into it? I'm trying to remember. I, I should have taken notes. I can't remember that part. Um, I should have taken I should have taken notes, but I didn't. Uh, but anyway, so now he's got the 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 economies of the world crash. So now he's this super rich guy. They find and get the antidote for it, and he's been. You know, so that's his plan, or they just pay him a ton of money and he doesn't crash the world's economies. Like, that's the two, those are the options. So it's a win win situation for Blofeld, which I think is just, I don't know. I really, I, th- I thought the plan was really clever. Everything, everything with Blofeld leading up to his plan is not. <laughs> I think it's just, but, I think it might just be because I think Blofeld's an idiot. <laughs> right. Well, it's not just this Blofeld that's an idiot either, because Every, I went back and watched. Blofeld is just an idiot. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, they, they they go down this ski slope. Tracy gets captured by Blofeld. Bond finds the time to go back to London and talk to M. And he's like, I need to rescue Tracy and take down Blofeld. We know where he is. And M's like, well, no, because you're too late again. And we're just going to let the United Nations sort this out. Your plan's dead. So then... Bond finds the mafia boss, Tracy's dad, and he's like, come with me to rescue your daughter. And they, they launch a full-on attack at this this Alps. And Bond, Bond gets out of the helicopter and just slides on the floor and just shoots a bunch of people. <laughs> Tracy, in the meantime, struggles to fight this one guy who she kills by swinging him onto these weird wall spikes that just exist there for no reason. Like, they're not artsy or anything. They're just spikes on the wall that she swings him onto, and he just dies. So, how else would you expect Blofeld to decorate his house, Josh? <laughs> I don't know, a lot of pretty pictures, cat paintings, probably. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. The cat, is the cat in this one? No, the cat's not in this one. That's uh, Nuts. How do you have Blofeld without yeah, his cat? Weird. So, yeah, then Bond finds Tracy... It's like, go, I'm going to find Blofeld. And Tracy finds her dad. Her dad set explosives to destroy the place. And she's like, we can't leave. We have to wait for Bond. <laughs> and her dad's going, her... he, just... Wait, he just punches. He's like, Bond's, Bond's going to be here. He's going to be fine, but we've got to get going. She's like, we can't go. And he just goes and knocks her out. And he's like, get him on. Okay, let's go. Um, so Bond and Blofeld are chasing each other and they get into possibly the most tense bobsled scene I've ever seen since Cool Runnings him and him and Blofeld are in bobsleds just going down this path and they like Bond's bobsled gets knocked over and he runs down and he catches the end of Blofeld so they have like a fight on a bobsled and uh-huh. he like lifts Blofeld up to which he gets basically clotheslined by a tree branch. And Bond says, <laughs> he's branched off. Nice one, Bond. <laughs> you want to go check he's dead? <laughs> just just a thought. So then Bond, you know, safely gets off the bobsled. Yeah. He and Tracy get married. 
Money Penny's just crying at this funeral. <laughs> Which I thought was okay. No, that was my that was one of my favorite parts of this because Monty Penny is just bawling her eyes out. And and so we've had five movies of setting up Monty Penny and Bond's flirting. And Bond has even said like like that he would marry her. Like that's a thing that he said at, at some point in in some of these movies was that he was going to marry Monty Penny. Now Bond is getting married. And every time he walks into his office, he takes off his hat and he throws it at the the hat stand and it hooks on the hat stand and then he walks he flirts with her, gives her a flower, and then he walks into M's office. So he's he gets married. He's walking away. Monty Penny is crying. And what does he do? He takes off his hat and throws it at her. <laughs> Bond could not care less in this entire film. No. He doesn't care. It, it's not fun. at all. It's so he just broke this woman's heart. <laughs> He broke her heart, and then and then Q. This was what I, I I thought this part was great. <laughs> Q takes the hat for Monty Penny and goes, "Oh, that Bond never has any respect for government property," and then just keeps the hat. <laughs> it's great. And she's like, right, "Oh, I get always two... cry at funerals, at, at weddings," which is like, <laughs> don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, so Bond, Bond and Tracy drive off, and they're going down this wonderful, beautiful uh, mountain path. And this like car of youngsters drives up next to him, like after the flower shop, and Bond's like, "We do look like an advertisement for flowers." So he stops the car to get the flowers off, and the weird French German mistress drives past and just unloads, and Bond ducks down, and he's like, "Oh, that was a close one, was it, Tracy?" And Tracy's just got a bullet hole in her head. <laughs> And he like, he, my favorite part was he grabs her shoulder and she just throws herself onto him. <laughs> like he, he very lightly places her hand, his hand on her shoulder, and she just goes blank right down into his lap. And he starts like caressing her. And then I don't know what happens next. Is the is it like a police officer that turns up? The police officer is driving down the road, um, presumably chasing the car that was just speeding down the road that shot Bond, or shot at Bond. And pulls up next to the car to make sure everything's okay. And so Bond is caressing this woman in his lap. And he looks at him and says uh, something she, She's having a rest. Up. It's quite all right. She's having a rest. We'll be going on soon. There's no hurry. There's all the time in the world. And that's, actually, I'm assuming that's the line from the book. Probably. But the thing is, it's like it's a really sad scene. And yeah, it would have been sad if he cried. But even then, it's, it's still quite a sad scene. <laughs> and then it just cuts to the credits. Which is like the full-on Bond theme itself, and I just couldn't stop laughing because this woman no, yeah, I, is I, dead, I that. and it just goes, da-da, da-da. <laughs> it it's should have beautiful. been silent credits. It really should have. Or, 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 or some... Or a sad or, song or something. Right. I think... Um, I Because the thing that I tried to do... Um, I, I wanted to see how this stacked up with the other Bonds and the other Bond movies, and I couldn't picture... Uh, I could picture Daniel Craig pulling that scene off. Um, I could. I can't. I can't see Sean Connery doing that scene. No, I can't. Uh, or Roger Moore either. I couldn't see Roger Moore pulling off that scene. I couldn't see either of them pulling off this movie, which is why. Which is one of the reasons I really respect Lazenby for being in this movie because he did a good job for being. I mean, yeah, especially for a commercial actor. Like that's a. There's, I, I typically kind of treat actors as being three different tiers, or four different tiers, I suppose. I think at the very top, you've got stage play actors, 
like proper Shakespearean theatrical actors. Then you got movie, then you got TV, then you got commercial. And to make that sort of leap from commercial straight to movie, he's, and he, he does a good job with it. Right, I, for a commercial actor in the nineteen uh, in nineteen sixty nine, it's a pretty stellar performance. I mean, um, I think had he kept going with his seven movie contract, I think he would be just as iconic as Roger Moore is, maybe even more so. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Roger Moore's uh, five thousand years old when he was playing Bond. Right. Well, and I, I would say uh, Lazenby is younger than Moore. Because um, he was younger than Sean Connery, but Roger Moore was older than Sean Connery. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he would have been just as iconic as Roger Moore, maybe more so. Um, I don't know that he... I mean, you put a man under a seven-movie contract. Uh, at that time, Sean Connery only did five. So, I mean, there's a chance he could have he could have been the quintessential Bond. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a solid... And there's a universe out there where he stayed on for that seven-movie contract. Right, and the thing I think is so interesting is uh, a series of movies building off of this one, um, which is what it seems like they wanted to do, um, because they almost did it with Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever is supposed to follow this up, but uh, the guy who plays Blofeld has hair and looks nothing like the guy who played Blofeld in this movie, but Diamonds Are Forever is just Bond on a revenge tour to try and kill Blofeld. And he kills him um, at the beginning, but then he comes back. Spoilers for uh, another 50-year-old movie. Um, <laughs> and, and is the main villain of that movie. So, But that as picturing that as a direct continuation of this movie, I think would have been great. Uh, picturing the, um, the Roger Moore movie where he kills Blofeld. Uh, uh, just picturing. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Now. Is, is that you only live twice? Uh, I believe so. Uh, uh, no, it's, it's for your eyes, eyes only. only. Yeah, for your eyes only. Yeah, um, you only live twice is Sean Connery. Um, you only live twice is the movie that came right before your Majesty on Your Majesty's Secret Service. Um, so, but but picturing picturing that scene done. Maybe taken a little more seriously because this movie did seem to take things a little more seriously than a lot of early Bond. So that scene taken a little more seriously, showing uh, George Lazenby getting his revenge on Blofeld for killing his wife is great. I want to see somebody who deep fakes George Lazenby's face onto Roger Moore a- in that scene. Like I want to like that'd be great. Um, I don't know. There, there's a there's a really good movie in here. I don't know. As far as early Bond goes, I would put this up there because uh, early Bond is really hit or miss. Yeah, um, yeah, no, definitely. I can think of maybe like three movies before um, before Timothy Dalton took over. So between Sean Connery and the end of Roger Moore, I can think of three movies that I would say are really, really good. And this would be in that top three. Uh, for me, uh, Goldfinger would be number one, then maybe this, and then um, The Spy Who Loved Me. The Spy Who Loved Me is also in- an incredible movie. But this would be on my list because uh, it fits in with a lot of the early Bond. I don't know why it was 
uh, seen as such a critical failure at the time. Well, I, it, it does feel quite different to a lot of early Bond films, and I think that's probably a big reason. Uh, I, yeah, I would agree, but at the same time, it doesn't feel... I don't know. I think... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It probably, I think there was probably some, some anger towards the recast. Yeah. Just because yeah, not sure. it's not Sean Connery. Uh, and, and, you know, Roger Moore comes in, and Roger Moore is this huge actor who people and women especially love already. Then that's fine. You can you can recast with someone like that. You recast with this nobody who no one's ever heard of, who, while I, I think did a great job... Um, and I think pulled off the cadence of Bond really well. Um, that I think kind of that definitely hurt it. I would say uh, the fact that it is so different, I think, hurt it. I, as much as I hate to say it, I think Bond showing that emotion and uh, quote unquote emotion and and getting married and stuff, I think that probably hurt the movie a little bit. If I had to guess, just because it is this, that's not Bond. You know, that's not what we normally see when we see James Bond. We normally see, you know, this man who is womanizing and, and sleeping with every woman he sees. And he did that in this movie, but then he got married. And it's like, that kind of takes away from that. Which is another reason I think it plays a whole lot more like a modern Bond film. Because uh, Daniel Craig is a little... Daniel Craig's Bond mixed with Pierce Brosnan's Bond is George Lazenby's Bond. <laughs> you know, like, like that's kind of... That's how I see it, at least. And, and so if you haven't ever seen it, I know we just spoiled the whole thing for you, but you should definitely check it out because I think it's it's for sure worth the watch, I would say. Yeah, no, I'd I, I definitely say it's worth the watch. Um, it, I, I had a good time with it. Uh, I mean, it kept me hooked. Even through the slower parts, I was still pretty much hooked. It, it certainly wasn't bad. It's certainly not the worst. I mean, Casino, uh, Quantum of Solace still exists. I really don't like Quantum of Solace. Yeah, I don't, I, dude, I don't even know if I can say Quantum of Solace makes my list of the worst after seeing some of the... Thunderball, for instance, is uh, Sean Connery, and it's good because Sean Connery's in it, but Thunderball is the most boring movie because they they decided to do the majority of the fight scenes underwater. Which sounds really good in concept, because the, the, a lot of the early Bond movies have gimmicks. You know, Moonraker is Bond in space. Thunderball is Bond underwater. Uh, um, uh, View to Kill is Bond with horses. You know, like, like that. they all had these gimmicks. And Thunderballs is Bond underwater, so why not? And it, But it's... I don't think they, they... They didn't dub anyone, which is fine, but... They also, like, they. I don't know if they just didn't realize that you can't speak underwater. So half of this movie has no dialogue. And, which would be okay had they filled that with a score. But they didn't, so a lot of the movie is just no dialogue and you just hear bubbles going off from a, from a respirator. Like, that's a lot of Thunderball. And it's so <laughs> boring. And then For Your Eyes Only is also so boring. I don't even remember. That was James Bond Goes to India. <laughs> Uh, no, I, um, I don't even remember the plot of I, I can't, of they, your they eyes kind only. Of blend together eventually. It just kind of becomes Bond goes exotic place, foils plot, quip. 
Right. But it's like, like some of these are just boring. And this one was not. And I think it fits in really well with a lot of early Bond. I, like I said, I would put it in my top three. It's probably number two. I don't know that it beats Goldfinger. It's definitely more fun. I don't think it's a better movie, but it's definitely more... There's more going on in this than Goldfinger, because Goldfinger is very tactical. Like, it's more... Uh, Goldfinger is like a game of chess, and this is like uh, playing Monopoly while you're tripping acid, you know? <laughs> Like both, <laughs> both are enjoyable, but but one of them requires a little more like tactical thinking. I think the the best Bond film is the one that includes. <clears throat> uh, how do I put this gently? Racial ambiguity. <laughs> uh, su- sure. Such as yeah. such as Sean Connery becoming an Asian man <clears throat> by getting some very bad makeup done to him and getting a very awful wig. And then not having that makeup or disguise matter at all for the rest of the film. <laughs> not that you could even really tell it was on there to begin with. <laughs> See, that's another one of those that's that's gimmick. That's James Bond fighting with ninjas. Like that's like so. This one doesn't really. I guess this would be James Bond hits the ski slopes. I'm trying to think of what the gimmick here is. Um. I don't know. I, I, I think this direction, had it been a little more fleshed out, would have been really neat to see. Um, and I'm, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't get to, didn't get to see more of it. Um, yeah, I, I think I would, like to see, I would have liked to see a, a bit more of his Bond, especially kind of transplanted into some of Roger Moore's moments. Right. Uh, like, especially that, um, that scene in View to Kill. Uh, or not View to Kill, um, For Your Eyes Only. It's the only part I can remember from for your same. It's, it's that scene. That would have been so great if there if it had some weight to it because it was like the same person, same character, same story, and then I mean there's there also sort of ensuing legal battles at that time, which didn't help. Uh, right. Well, but imagine if uh, George Lazenby gets you know his second movie and the opening scene is that. You know, because the opening scene of that movie is Bond takes and puts some flowers at Tracy's grave and then goes and picks up Blofeld in a helicopter and drops him down uh, a, a, a smoke. What are the a smoke? What are those called? Smoke shaft. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, just drops a him giant down chimney thing. A chimney. Yeah. Giant chimney drops him down. <laughs> smoke shaft. <laughs> drops him down a giant chimney and then flies off with a helicopter and as Blofeld is falling down he goes Bond and like that's <laughs> it's great and he's even wearing um, he's even wearing the neck brace yeah it's definitely Blofeld because it's like well he's in a wheelchair he's bald I think they show off they, they show off like a neck brace and they, they, I think they show a bit of the scar, if I remember correctly. Or this, I can't. They, no, no, no. The, it's all shot from the back of his head. That, you only it. ever see the back of his head and his cat. That's all you see. He's in a wheelchair. You see the back of his bald head, and you see him petting his cat. And um, it's never said that it's Blofeld, but the, the, he's wearing the neck brace because in he, he this movie he gets clotheslined in the neck by a tree. He gets clotheslined in the neck by a tree. So, like that makes sense. And, and so it's definitely this version of Blofeld. Um, which makes sense. And then, but like, just, I I don't know. I wish we could have seen more of this. 
Uh, I would like to see if they if they ever remake on Your Majesty's Secret Service. I think it would be incredible because it's a really good story. Yeah, um, it's, and it's it is simple. It's I mean it's not like simple, simple, but it's like it's it's got it's nice right. story. It's got a unique setting. It's <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> this is the most complicated film to follow. No, I'm. Um, <laughs> there there are some things I think could have been especially with Daniel Craig, like the Angels of Death. I think would have been a great thing to see Daniel Craig deal with. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I really would have enjoyed it. Um, but at the same time, I, I think this movie still holds up. It's definitely one that I would still still watch today. I mean, I did. I watched it like three days ago. <laughs> it's one I would watch today too. In fact, I, I technically did. I watched it 12 hours ago now. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> It's fun. I, I think if you just watch it on its own... It probably doesn't have the same effect, but watching it like as you're watching through Bond movies, it's kind of like watching uh, Wonder Woman on its own. Like Wonder Woman is a, is a solid enough movie, but when you watch Man of Steel, BVS, and then Wonder Woman, or Man of Steel, BVS, Suicide Squad, and then Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman is like the greatest film to ever exist. <laughs> you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it's it's made better by. The franchise that it surrounds, right? And so I think this one, this one kind of benefits from that too. It's definitely not as good as Goldfinger, uh, but it's 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 a million times better than Thunderball, and you only live twice. <laughs> that's not a hard thing to follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. They even remade Thunderball, and the and, remake was and, better than the original, and the remake is still not good. No, the remake also has the worst-looking Blofeld from the late, right, great for sure. Max von Sydow. Right. It's true. But, yeah, I think that's enough for today of us talking about yeah. the one Bond film that no one cares about. This is the longest episode of the podcast, and it's literally just us talking about a Bond film that nobody remembers. <laughs> um, All right, you can follow us at BritEdit and at BarrettDigital on Instagram. Uh, Josh and Dogson on Twitter. And be sure to recommend us to your friends, like and follow and rate five stars wherever you may. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Yeah.